0: Hello and welcome back to the Evolving Hockey Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm joined by the Evolving Wild Twins, Josh and Luke Youngren. And tonight we also have a special guest uh, that we'll be bringing on later, Danny Chu of the Seattle Kraken. We didn't have too much to talk about just in general with league happening, so we decided to pick a a random fellow out of the crowd and and have him (laughs) onto the podcast. Yeah, it was a great time.
1: As as we do this normally, we uh, we already recorded the episode, so I uh, or the, the chat with Danny, and he he really was great. Um, yes, fantastic. As we get into in the episode, but we've uh, we've known him for quite a long time. Uh, he was part of hockey graphs uh, in a way, um, and also in the he was actually more from the basketball background. But uh, he'll he'll I'll, we'll let you explain, or we'll let him explain to you what his background is. Yes. Uh, but it was a great time. We had a great yeah. time. Um yeah I don't know there's not really much more to say about it there isn't really much going on in hockey right now so there
0: isn't too much <laughs> speaking of the crack and Vince Dunn did sign his extension yes uh, yeah. there is that when we no, we there's... asked Danny specifically,
1: and he gave us all the details about the specific <laughs> negotiation. No, I'm just kidding. We yeah, yeah. Know. Well, they had ARP <laughs>
0: cases too, which was interesting. So he he gave us all the background. <laughs> cases. Yeah, now, we ha- yeah, but the the Vin Stein signing was was I feel extra, evolving wild as yeah. he was one of the I guess original darlings on. Evolving-Hockey.com. Well, interestingly, he was Vince interestingly,
1: yeah, yeah, he was one of our guys. Like we, as we get into in with Danny as well, everybody's got some guys, right? And Danny also foreshadowing named multiple people by name that he, multiple <laughs> hockey players that he is. Uh, Super, you know, he's really, that's not true. He No. But no, Vince Dunn, when he played for the Blues, this was a big thing. He was came up really good in our a lot of our models. I think it was like 17, 18 or 18. Yeah, Yeah. when he was like playing as third pair defenseman for the Blues, and like he was like rating out really highly in a lot of like our rap and stuff like that. And so we were like kept saying that, and there was a lot of arguments about like, oh, well, if you put him into a top-line role, he's never going to succeed, blah, blah, blah. You you know, he's like blah, which then – is kind of irritating because it's like yeah, well he was, he's doing really well in the role he's in so anyway but yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's fun to see that he uh that he, he is uh, being rewarded for a good season with the Kraken and very as as Sean said on on uh, on topic with with Danny one of uh one of the uh, the Kraken's analysts um, what's it, or his technical, he, his title, I don't quite remember what, what it actually was.
0: Senior quantitative analyst. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. With the Seattle Kraken. Um, yes. he
1: was also a big part of organizing, um, Sea hack which we get into on, in, in the interview as well. Uh, so yeah, he, he's, uh, been involved with the community for a while and it, we really had a great time. It was a, you know, I hope you stick around. Um, you didn't just come to listen to us introduce it, it and then leave.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But they all came for the. Heard your thoughts on Philip Krestovskiy, but <laughs> goalies are voodoo. Yeah, and we we did. I, don't I think just there's I, too much else to say either I, I, on Vlad Tarasenko and Sebastian Aho. And so. No, no, the and,
1: Aho deal was very good for the Hurricanes. I thought. Yeah. Um, oh, Troy Terry. I think the arb filings came in as well. Um, yeah, and then, is, then I, I I think that's like one of the last. Him and is Zegers still out there? Right. Um, yeah, Zegers
0: doesn't have the yeah, rights. Yeah, but so, we
1: well we there wasn't you know like we said there wasn't a ton to talk about yeah. on league happening so. We should maybe just get right into the interview here. I don't know if you guys want to say much more before no. we jump in. We had a great in. time. Check it yep. out. Stick around. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, you guys enjoy it. Um, and we, I don't know, we'll maybe try to do if we can. It's a little, um, with team employees specifically, there's a little bit of, uh, we have to kind of it's not always easy to get people like this on, so we're actually pretty lucky that Danny agreed to come on and uh talk with us. But it'd be fun to do it again in the future if we could uh get another uh what did you say, Sean? Pick pick a random person out of the crowd. Yeah. Pick a random person out <laughs> of the crowd. It'd be fun to pick another random person out of the crowd to come on because I think we all had a good time.
0: All right. With that, we're gonna throw it over to the conversation we had with Danny. So we have senior quantitative analyst Danny Chu with us. Now, uh, Danny was hired by the Seattle Kraken before they had any players. He was hired back in January of 2020. He entered our HockeyGraph Slack, I think, a little bit before that uh, because he kind of came onto the map uh, when he was part of the first place team in the student division of the 2018 NFL Big Data Bowl project. And the Kraken went right after him and said, this is our guy to go along with. I think they had an at the time and Alex Mandurkey. And, uh, yeah, so he became a big piece of the organization. we are really glad that he agreed to come on. We did not keep him hostage. She's actually in another country right now, <laughs> so I can confirm that he's not trapped in anybody's basement. So Danny, you can honestly say how you are today.
2: Awesome, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's great to get to talk to you guys. It's you guys have been like you know a big part of the community since I've started doing hockey stuff, which was fairly late because I was doing basketball and football. So um, I've always been reading your guys' stuff, and I'm excited to be on the podcast.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for the kind words, Danny. We were uh, we were also we were made aware of your stuff as well in the basketball realm uh, as well. So we've. Taken, taken a decent amount from you as much as you know one can steal uh, work from. So <laughs> borrow, borrow. Yeah, borrow. You know, sorry. you borrow, you, re- you look at the code and you, yeah. you see, oh, they did that. Yeah, and yeah, they Did this, but yeah, Yeah, a pun. yeah yes. I was trying to remember, Danny, when you and did you ever did you write for Hockey Graphs or were you more like a shadow member in the background?
2: I was always a shadow member. I did one <laughs> presentation, actually, my first presentation that was like in the community was at VanHack. Okay. Um and it was a hockey presentation. That was like my first time doing something that wasn't like a school project. Um so Van Hack was kind of was organized by Hockey Graphs, I guess, so that was affiliated, but I never actually got an article up on Hockey Graphs.
1: Okay. I was yeah. in, I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah, cuz uh, that was what was that 20 I know we didn't go to Vancouver for that. Um was that in 2018 or 20 I think it was uh, 2018. 20 17 17? I think.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and cool. Amita
2: presented, like, this great project, and I was, like, blown away. I was like, who's that? And,
1: yeah. Was that the prospect? The stuff, the her presentation on uh, prospects? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was uh,
0: drafting, like, efficiency of drafting, I guess you could say. Like, uh, it was this way of, I guess, measuring how well teams took, like, the best player available, if I remember the presentation correctly. I like I, so, And yeah. I don't know how to describe it, too. But it was kind of, like, the presentation that put her... I think on the map as as well, and then uh, Chris Watkins was there t- finishing up his presentation on the floor, if I remember. So that <laughs> yeah, was my was first introduction to Micah. Too. Oh, Micah that was... like
2: yeah. stole the show. You know, <laughs> helped for it was the perfect room for it. It was like it was this big cir- circular room. So like it just like he just got to sit there and walk around and just like use his hands a lot and just <laughs> you know like I, explain the world to you
1: i remember seeing photos because i think that that was Before, because we went to Rochester after, I think I saw photos and we considered going to Van to Vancouver, um, and we didn't. But I think Rochester was was the first one, and I saw pictures of Micah, and he's in this big, like, circular room, and he's just got, you know, his, his, like, tweed suit on or whatever it was with his beard. And I'm like, oh, that's what he does. That's what people do. And then I realized, oh, no, that's what Micah does. No one else does that. Yeah. (laughs) But all right. Anyway, enough talking about these other people. Yeah. We don't need to talk about. The other people we got Danny here, star of the show. So, kind of, let's get into kind of your background, Danny. Like, how did you get into like statistics coding? Was were you formally trained? Did you go to college? Was it self taught? Like, kind of give us the the overview on how you kind of got into this whole world.
2: Yeah. So, my origin story is I uh, was in a, the math program at SFU because I wanted to be a math teacher, and I was coaching basketball at my old high school. And I stumbled across a job posting for the Philadelphia 76ers. And it was a data scientist position. I was like, whoa, that sounds really cool. (laughs) You have to combine math with basketball. And that's kind of what I was doing. And so, um, you know, I was lucky enough that the school I was going to, Simon Fraser University, had this great network of professors who were doing sports analytics research. And so um, I kind of tapped into that network. All of a sudden there was like, group of students um who were really interested in it and so i like had these colleagues these really good friends that like um i think a lot of people found community through twitter like i was just lucky enough to have mentors and uh friends all at the same school who all were interested in the same stuff and so we kind of just kind of um worked on projects we applied to uh Vansash, We did some hackathons uh just like put things together and start to like get experience working on projects and then um, once you get to the conferences, and you see all these public people doing work and I started to get on Twitter and see posts and uh, research from everyone else. I was like, whoa, this is super cool and uh, started to build from there. So uh, really lucky to be at Simon Fraser and made some really lifelong friends that uh, are super smart and super helpful to help me get to where I am. But um, yeah, formally trained in stats, math and computer science, and I did my master's once I knew I wanted to do uh, statistics.
0: I guess like sticking with the basketball piece for a second, because that was sort of, uh, from my understanding, sort of your way all the way through, because you interned with the NBA out in New York. Um, How has, I guess, two-part question. One, was it a pain point or was it painful, I guess, to pull your way away from basketball to go work in hockey? And how has basketball and that experience influenced you for better or worse with hockey
2: yeah great questions I think first of all like going into hockey and and turning down a basketball job was I just never thought I would do it but the opportunity at the Kraken was so interesting and so cool and so well set up like just with Alex and Ron and the buy-in that we had and the opportunity to do an expansion draft like it didn't really feel like I was it did feel like the best option so it was weird to me to say no to a basketball job but at the end of the day it felt like the right move and i think it has been so far or uh, or was the right move um, and then i think for influence like I, th- i think a big part of all the work i've ever done is just looking at statistic problems being applied in sports and using methods used in football to do or used in basketball on a football problem or used in football on a hockey problem and so I think, like, I'm happy that I have kind of this breadth of kind of understanding of sports, but statistics, and impor- most importantly. And so then you can just apply uh, different methods to different problems that arise. And so I think, like, that basketball background or that football background or just kind of that knowledge of the space just has helped me do cool things in hockey um, because it's not just, like, sports-specific. It's just kind of problem-specific.
0: Yeah, and no, I think... So did you say that... Oh, you go, steal go things from other sports. I would say you're that we build upon. I would say that we
1: build upon. That's a that's a good way to say it. You know, yeah. you're, I you're, might take that. I might. I might. You never use that, that before, bro. Term. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you say? Something. I joke? was just saying you never use it. D- oh, sorry. I'm going to say I'm going to build me. upon the build upon term. <laughs> that's what I'm going to I'm going to do with I that. Yeah. Okay, that's a good joke. I'll let you say that one, bro. I won't edit that out after. Nice. I so. Kind of coming back, I think, to the, the your background a little bit. I think something that I think maybe, well, Luke probably and Sean as well. But for for me, I, I found it I found it interesting over the years because Luke and I are, and I think it's obvious, we're not uh, classically trained, if you will, in statistics. Right? We didn't go to school for this. Um, Sean didn't go to school for this. Uh, you know, we all kind of were part of hockey graphs, and it was something that we learned um, along the way. And I think in a lot of ways, fake, faked, you know, faked it until we made it in, in certain senses. Until we then became. Um, knowledgeable about it, and I think we learn from a different point than somebody who maybe went to school. And we have some friends who, you know, have gone through statistics uh, degrees and programs. And I'm kind of curious if there was something coming into a, like a pure sports statistics realm or field that you had to kind of forget about your classical training, or that you had to de-emphasize coming into sports. Was there something that You were was drilled into you in school that you then realized was actually maybe not as important as you thought, or was something that you had to kind of unlearn in a way.
2: It it's such a good question because it's so real. Like I think the first three and a half years of my statistics programs were probably thrown out the window. I mean, they set the stage for what you can learn later (laughs) on, and I think I've helped me apply things. But I think so much of our stats curriculum is based off of the way things have been done before, and just like you were able to design an experiment and sample and like it's just very outdated things or or very things that don't apply to sports at least Um, or a lot of real world problems are designed around kind of lab based problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we move out of that world into the real world and you're collecting data from non-random experiments, a lot of that goes out the window. Um, And so I think a lot of that, like, especially when I was first joining the sports world and seeing projects, like it didn't, it, it was almost a separate curriculum, like reading sports papers or going to conferences and reading, like watching presentations. Like that was a separate learning curriculum for me than what I was doing in school. And I think it helped me have a baseline. It helped me understand things, especially when there's new things or somebody who came from a very mathy background like Micah and throws things on the screen. It just helped me understand those slides better and quicker. But I don't, I think there, there's almost like separate things going on. Um, Until I really got to my master's program and I was kind of specializing on stuff and had a better understanding of the whole world of statistics that I think it really like kind of locked in. But I like I think it's I have super, a ton of respect for people who didn't have that background because it's so hard to like get in. But you don't need it. Like, yeah, you yeah. can teach yourself. It's all common sense ideas at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's the funny thing kind of coming from a because I admittedly, Josh and I were I was terrible at statistics in school. Right. It just <laughs> didn't click with me. And I think it's kind of interesting that it took me to get going, you know, to school for a totally different thing. And then, you know, 10 years later or whatever, coming in and kind of more grasping the concepts and that being really interesting to me. And so it was more of coming it kind of reverse engineering like, OK, this is the concept. Now, how do you actually do that? Which is so, completely in the other direction from coming from, like, oh, mean and, you know, all, like, dis standard distributions and learning from that.
2: The, the teacher in me loves that because, like, Sean raised his eyebrows at me when I said it's common sense. Because it's, <laughs> it's not common sense the way you code it. Or, like, it's difficult. Yeah. It's not easy. But the idea, that concept that you're hanging on to is always born out of like i'm trying to adjust for this thing and that is always should always be common sense it should always be rooted in hockey and sports and it should always be driven by a question and so i think like i was the same way for the first three years of statistics classes i didn't like them for the most part i some of them i had to do some of them i took because i was like oh this cool job could eventually happen in eight years and it happened quicker than that but like you know when it wasn't until like i got through a lot of that boring Stuff That didn't kind of click in my head that I got to the concept stuff that let me apply and solve problems, which I think is like the right way to do it. So I have a big issue with the stats curriculum and how I think it should be (laughs) designed and taught. But that's a story for another day. Yeah, I I think it's kind of. Oh, go ahead, Sean.
0: Well, I was just going to say, because Danny called me out for raising my eyebrows, I just <laughs> think like the better, the better word there is like intuitive, like you can have the feel. I don't think it like should pop out at you like common sense, but I feel like it's like something that's like when you get it, it's aha moment. That- He just he put me on the spot there. You guys (laughs) never talk about my facial expressions, and Danny was like the first one to ever do that. I don't feel like I had to. Well, we we only
1: talk about how Sean is constantly laughing in the background. You can't (laughs) hear him. He doesn't. He's a silent la. Yes, he is a silent. So we we always joke how it doesn't seem like. We're funny on here because Sean never laughs at us, <laughs> but he's constantly laughing. Anyway, he he's doing tame. it right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I know. See, we have backup <laughs> here. We have confirmation. Yeah. See, I'm I'm very audible with my, my laughter. People yell at me all the time because I have a very loud laugh that's uh, identified. Yeah, but I I do think just to kind of follow up on that is that it's really it is interesting. I think that was the thing that was really fun, kind of learning kind of on my own now I naturally that's just kind of how I am personally as I love to like kind of teach myself things because I think it really sticks with me a lot easier which isn't for everyone that's just kind of how I am but I think that some of the st- the concepts that statistics are trying to answer and the methods they're using are super interesting and so I think that like like you said with stats curriculum is I can completely imagine how if you don't give people that you know it really lends well to helping people kind of um what would be, uh, like, satisfy their curiosities. I think that's kind of... So if you're a curious mind and you like like numbers and coding and stuff, I think statistics really will... But, but to get to that point through a formal education, I think, is kind of difficult uh, at some point. Like, you have to be dedicated and really enjoy, like notation, and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that to really get there. Uh, which is, uh, it's, it's really funny, um, to just kind of think about it in, in more of an abstract, like overarching curriculum approach. Cause I haven't exactly yeah. thought about it that way.
2: Yeah. It gives you the tools, but it's so bottom up instead of kind of top down.
1: Yeah. That it's, it's tough. I was curious, I, I guess the inverse of that question would be for people who are maybe, maybe say there are people who are really interested or listening to this, who are super interested in trying to get into sports stats or whatever, or get into maybe, you know, as a potential for a field, what would be something if they are say, OK, I don't want to go the academic approach, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to go read meta hockey. I'm going to read blogs. I'm going to do my own work. But what is maybe something in the statistical realm that you actually think is beneficial that they like that Luke and I could maybe work on that? We could go <laughs> back and read a textbook on that would be useful for me you know, in the future if I was going to try to self-teach myself.
2: Yeah, it's hard because I, I don't know if I'd recommend reading the textbook. Because okay, okay, I, yeah. It's so full of information, <laughs> but I, the idea, I think, I mean, I use a lot of Bayesian statistics in what I do, and I think it is rooted in a lot of kind of the ways that you want to attack sports problems specifically um, in the way that you can try to deal with data that might not be from a totally random experiment. Um, so I think it's quite complicated, and most textbooks are going to be, like, way out there, but if you can find a good blog post that kind of does a good job of explaining it or someone's done a cool project with it that you can root yourself in and kind of understand what they're trying to do um i mean even my bayesian problems that i've worked on that i've presented have a lot of um kind of equations and stuff and i've tried to kind of put it into more english words but um it's it's going to be quite technical but i think the general concepts of it are quite good and um I would also just say start with evolving hockey. Like just go read the
0: blog
1: <laughs> hey. post and look at the code. Hey, hey now. we didn't we didn't pay Danny to say that. Yeah, by we did. The way. No. No, we did. Sean did. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta check
0: out the X car write up. <laughs> oh hey.
1: Sure. Hey, I'm working on it. You know, and that's the thing for me, right, is that sometimes when I'm writing for our site, right, I have to because I don't know. I'm really bad with notation, right? Like, I just, I never learned it, and I've been, you know, some people are able to teach that, but, like, I always equate it to, like, so we're, like, trained musicians. Like, we went to school for music. So, music notation is, like, to me, statistical notation, Where it's a very similar thing, where, and so if I would know how to like be better with statistical notation, I think it would be extremely helpful when I'm like reading white papers, right? Like if I'm just exploring and trying to understand these concepts. But a lot of the time, um, I've found that it's kind of fun if you come from a coding background. You can, if the code for something is, so say just in R, right? A lot of the time, the the functions that are being used, you can kind of reverse, again, reverse engineer from the functions down to what the equations are saying and be like, oh, that's what it means. And you don't have to know what the notation is if you know, if you can kind of code in, in R and can kind of read some functions and look at documentation. So it's kind of a funny just approach, like you said, top down to bottom up kind of approach there is, you know, just different people learning in different ways. Sure. But yeah, enough about uh, uh, I think stats. Sean, Sean, I think was, look, he was using his eyebrows again to indicate he had a question, I, I believe.
0: <laughs> I was not necessarily using my eyebrows. Um, these are not, my eyebrows are not tools. I don't think so. But you apparently you You do have good eyebrows. Good eyebrows. So. Oh, thank you. Very yeah, strong. Match. Very strong. I guess maybe let's switch back to the Kraken topic. So... You made the decision, right, to kind of, I guess, pass up on basketball to go to the Kraken. I want you to expand a little bit more on the fit with the Kraken. And you said buy-in, I believe, right? Like how, I guess, what is the buy-in with, what is the buy-in in your own words? And like, how does the Kraken, I guess, implement analytics across the organization?
2: I think for me, it's just having a seat at the table and being listened to, and not just being like listened to without question. Like, I think, especially when we were developing our early models, we got big pushback. And not in like a, I can't use this way, but in like, okay, most of this is good, but like, here's some glaring errors to my eye. And then it wasn't like just fix it. It was like, okay, we took that feedback. We went and tried to make uh, wholesale changes to the models that we're not like oh i'm just going to hard code a fix in for this player it's like okay why are we missing on this player and let's discuss this and from stakeholders having those discussions with us we were kind of able to drill down and make some changes to the models and all of a sudden you pop it out and everything looks a little bit better uh you're where you were right you were even more right and those places where you had some criticisms have kind of disappeared and so i think that kind of process and that kind of feedback loop is really great and then um, when it comes time to decision-making, like we always give our opinion and it's not always agreed with, but it's always kind of met with uh, respect and uh, talked about and discussed. And we, I think bring that same respect to our scouting staff and our management staff and our coaching staff and everyone else we work with. And I just think that kind of healthy dialogue is what buy-in is um, from the organization. Cause we know we're not perfect and they know we're not perfect, but we know that together we can come up with the right decision. So, I think that's really cool and i think just the people that we work with i just have the most appreciation for and and really like enjoy my time working with kind of outside of I mean, within our team as well our D team but just kind of everyone outside of our team that we work with is is really great um and then from implementation into the kraken organization like we're touching hopefully i think every facet of the hockey ops world right we're in from amateur scouting, which is Namita's baby, and she loves it, and Alex <laughs> is very involved too. But um, we have a ton of we have a ton of work there, um, all the way through our AHL team, working with the coaching staff there, working with um, uh, player acquisition on that side of things, up to the NHL team, where we're working with the coaches, we're working player acquisition, we're doing strength and conditioning, um, trades, uh, draft picks, trades. Um, Yeah, everything that you can kind of think of just kind of being super integrated and then also just providing tools um, from our end that isn't even data, right? Like just kind of apps and things that help make scouts lives easier, help make coaches lives easier, help make our video coaches lives easier um, because there is so much um, for them to do. And so anything that we can do from a technical perspective to take work off their plate is uh, really important. So that's we've got kind of, excuse me, tools all over the place for them.
1: I was kind of curious, and and as a lot of people listening obviously know, um, the Kraken were an expansion team, and you were brought on before they played their first, you know, in the first season, right? Which had to be relatively unique compared to a lot of other sports areas. And I think you you talked about this at um, in Seattle, like at Sea Hack as well, a little bit. But I was kind of curious if it was if there was ever um, a lot of stress, or I guess stress around the idea that you had to start from kind of ground zero and, and like start from the ground up and really just like build this stuff raw with no real pre-existing pipelines or stuff like that was that w- were you allowed to have the time to say hey you know what we need some more time to do this because it's taking us a long time to get this off the ground or was it was it a little stressful when you as a, as a first time team in the league to kind of build that out from nothing basically yeah.
2: It's a blessing and a curse because you got to do all the work. Like there was nobody (laughs) else to do it, and it wasn't just like, "Oh, I have this idea; I can just fix this one thing." It's like, no, we need everything. But the beauty (laughs) of it was that we had so much time. And so the first, my first ever Sloan I went to, right before COVID, everybody was, um, everybody was jealous. They were like, "I can't believe you have games. I can't believe you don't have daily coaching questions to answer. (laughs) You know, I can't believe you don't have trades to evaluate." Like we just had time to sit there and develop. And I think that was uh so so good for us because if we had had all these other things our priorities would have shifted we would have had to work really hard really fast to get some stuff up for the coaches right away we would have to just been like okay bare minimum whatever works and like i think there was still some of that just to get everything ready by expansion day but i'm pretty happy where we were by expansion day and it wasn't you know it wasn't like oh we need this in two weeks it was like we need this in six to eight months and so we just had time to develop to research to get feedback, to go through a couple iterations. And yeah, are are the models better kind of two seasons in now? Yes. And like, (laughs) would I love to have had those at expansion draft? Yes, but I I don't think it would have changed a lot of our recommendations. And um, I still think we, I'm still very proud of kind of the recommendations we've given at every step of the way. So uh, yeah, we're always on a quest to be better, but that first kind of pre-expansion window was so good for us and uh, we're so lucky to have had it.
1: Yeah, I mean it it seems like a a kind of a like you mentioned is that I I think people who are maybe trying to like thinking about what it might be like to start from a team and I think this is not the necessarily the case in hockey because it's been I think um acceptance by teams has been kind of a similar thing where even if a team has been around for decades, right? Well, they're just hiring people to start an analytics team from scratch. And in that case, that actually, I could see how I hadn't thought about the idea of having like actual, like you have games every day. So the, the focus would be rather on maybe building a, a strong foundation in six to eight months where then you don't have, you know, as Luke and I can can relate to, uh, tech debt that you have to then come back to and figure out your issues that you had to, you know, you have to figure out what you did, like, because you did it quickly, right? You guys had the ability to build out a a strong foundation for a lot of the stuff that and have the I think the foresight to be like yeah this could be maybe be a problem where if you're just getting started and a team is like we need this go 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 right and they have already playing um I had that I think that's something that yeah sounds like it was very uh very nice I if if for you know as somebody who's never worked for a team I can't really comment on that but I can put myself in the idea in in that situation and be like yeah that would be
2: that would be really stressful if you have to go fast right (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. We definitely have tech debt. Like we've <laughs> we we've done a couple of rewrites already that I'm I'm super proud of. I think that's probably my biggest growth because it was my first job out of school. I'd done a couple internships, but I hadn't really kind of like built anything like this before. So yeah. I didn't know exactly how to build things. And Alex has such a good vision for how things should go. And I think she knew when to say, "Hey, we need to go redo this thing," versus we just need to get this to the out the door um and so yeah there was a little bit of just like yeah get it out the door and then we've gone back and rewritten things and made things more efficient or make things uh better from a technical perspective but i think it would be harder to start i have a friend who's moved to a team that didn't have an analytics department set up but they've got training camping and games and things going on that uh yeah it's a lot harder when you have all those other demands
0: at the same time yeah <laughs> Not to make you pick favorites, but which <laughs> inaugural season did you enjoy the most? The <laughs> Kraken's <laughs> inaugural season or the Calder Cup finalists, the Western Conference champion, Coachella uh, <laughs> Valley Firebirds? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah i don't think i can use my like i can't talk about that because i think the answer is pretty clear like one of them was really hard because we didn't win a lot of games and one of them we won a lot of games but also the other important team that i really care about was winning games so i think this season um from the coachella valley firebirds was more enjoyable than the first year um not to say that the first year didn't have its amazing moments from our first game to there's a couple of games I look back on just from a fan perspective, showing up to different moments that really made that season cool, but we didn't win as much as we'd hoped. Um, you know, I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I love the Coachella Valley Firebirds and I love the Seattle Kraken, but this uh, season with the Firebirds was really, really fun to see their success. They had just an insane schedule. They started in Seattle for training camp. They were playing out of Seattle. We had three home games in Seattle and they played a couple of road trips from there. They moved into Coachella, and then they had a road trip for every week for every game for like the next two months. So they, they were they, they were based out of Coachella, but they were on the road um, playing games for two months, and then they finally got their home arena built and ready to go. And they just had a lot of success, a lot of fun. And um, I got to go down there two to two separate times and uh, work with them in Seattle. And just they are just a fun staff and a fun team to to be around.
0: Sure, I and it's ca- funny. You know, I remember when I first like started talking to people. I guess that work for teams, and like one of the things that was kind of striking to me was the f- fact that they actually cared about the AHL team, <laughs> which, like, to me, I don't know. I watch the NHL, and like the AHL, you know, it kind of is what it is. But it's funny because to me, at least, I think about analytics as, I guess, being more efficient on the margins. Like, I could tell you that Jared McCann is a really good goal scorer. Like, he scored 40 goals last year. But to be able to, I guess, fill out the bottom of your lineup or, you know, you have some injuries and who are you calling up and and whatever else, it's – I mean, those decisions are important, and so your AHL team is still important. And so, it's to me, I think it's kind of cool and probably goes unrecognized to others, I'd imagine, how, I guess, people in, in analytics, NHL departments are – heavily involved there as well yeah I
2: think there's two kind of points there one personally like when Alex first asked me to work on AHL stuff I was like oh I didn't even know that was important (laughs) it was before like (laughs) kind of we'd even done um had had a team and so um I started working on it and so just from that like got excited by a couple players that we'd seen in previous years that popped and then did well in the NHL I was like oh cool there are ways to find players um, that are in the HL that will contribute to an NHL lineup. So that got me really, really excited. I think the second thing is, like, when you have support logic data, um, it they, they have it available for multiple leagues. And so for the HL, the OHL, um, SHL, but, and even more leagues. And so um, if you're smart about the way you code, talking about the technical that I think we, we've been working through and, and have solved for the most part, um, like, that's exciting that you can just, like, most of your NHL models will also just work If you've done it correctly for these other leagues pretty seamlessly um and so yeah i'm really proud of our nhl models which means i'm really proud of our ahl models as well um and then so that's personally and then i just i think from an organizational perspective like it's cool because everybody has uh has something that they care about there right like the amateur scouts have draft picks and if you've built a winning environment and a winning culture of somewhere they can step in and play with good players like that's really exciting that our that we can see our prospects. Um, our NHL coaches or NH, uh might care because that's where kind of our first call ups going to come from. Um, our pro scouts care because they're scouting the NHL and the AHL, and so like when they find a guy who does well there or gives us games up top, um, that's important to them. Obviously, the coaching staff down there cares, and then our analytics team cares because yeah, we've built these models for that work across leagues, and I think are are really good. So. Um, It just kind of has every kind of facet of the organization touching it. I don't think you have that anywhere else. Um, Kind of at the top team, but, um, you know, there's less prospects there. There's more time between when the guy gets drafted. Um, You don't always get Matty Benitez coming out winning rookie of the year. So um, if you're an amateur staff, sometimes you have to take the wins um, in, in the AHL before you get them to the NHL.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I and you were kind of talking about the difference between the NHL and AHL and using models between the two. I think one thing that's interesting is obviously we touched on the fact that you were in basketball to begin with. But I, I think it's you know, Luke and I have taken quite a bit from the work in public basketball, um, I guess well, the the public work in basketball over. Built upon it. Built upon, sorry, built upon. Yes. We built upon. Uh whether it be regularized adjustable plus minus or the various plus minus models. Um I was kind of curious if there was something when you went switched from basketball to hockey, Luke and I will sometimes describe like how hockey and basketball are actually pretty similar, um, except for the goalie, right? But I'm I'm just kind of curious when you jumped from basketball to hockey work, um, were, were there any models in basketball that you felt actually applied well, like just out of the box to hockey, like or you any know, like techniques or techniques you know, or not anything specific or specific models? And you know, know, I guess we the second part would be what was maybe the most surprising aspect to you about analyzing hockey, just in general, compared to your work in basketball?
2: Yeah, I I mean I think the adjusted plus minus way wave- of Going about things, I think, is really smart, and and we've made tweaks and and improvements um, that I think, you know, with better data that you can. Um, And so, I think like that is very clearly uh, a good place to go. Uh, I I I think the other thing is like building upon these other projects is like like, really smart people have thought about these things. Like people, really, really smart people. uh, Whether it's like my old professor, Luke Warner, Tim Schwartz. to you know micah and stuff we're developing like new things like it's not often that they build just a completely new way of going about things even they are like building upon something um and so i think like yeah you're i like yeah there's never really like these problems unless it's a new problem that we like haven't been asked to solve yet then maybe you're developing something totally new but if it's a similar problem evaluating players like with 10 players on the court there's pretty um is a pretty obvious way of going about things. Um, so I don't know if there's anything that's really surprised me that's from switching over, but I, I do think like the more that you can learn just about models in, in every sport, the better you'll be.
0: Feels like uh, President Obama's speech that you didn't build that uh, <laughs> motto here going on. But you guys built upon
1: that. Which yeah. I think yes. is, is the same thing as building. Everyone builds upon everything. Yes, there you go, <laughs> there you go. But that I will say that I I just as someone who has no knowledge about prospects at all, right, about juniors players, people below the NHL, it would be I have to express my jealousy or say my jealousy of having uh, more comprehensive data of the lower leagues because I think that would be it would be a really fun thing to, for to have that in the public. I personally just I think that a lot of people would it, it could really I don't know I'm just out here like you know trying to make a pitch for the uh, <laughs> NHL and AHL to maybe you know let's uh, get a little bit more data in the public so and and it's not just for you know the AHL and whatever but it it, it is I, I'm, I'm just a little jealous that we don't uh, get more lower level data uh, or lower league data in in the NHL um, so that's that's pretty fun to um to be able to work with that type of data and see prospects evolve through a statistical kind of method. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's cool. It, it forces you to write better code and you now now instead yeah. of applying it to one season and one league, now every time you make a model change, you've got all the seasons and all the leagues and it's like, "Oh my god, now I've to to for all of these changes." So, yeah. Um, <laughs> It adds it adds more to it, but oh yeah, is, I'm sure it's definitely sure. a blessing to have.
1: Yes. Well, and speaking of, I think the public public work. I mean, are you are you still staying involved with that in in some way, or, or is is now that you're with a team, you're just completely removed from that entirely?
2: I really wish I was more involved. Like, I mean, I'm still reading when people post stuff. Um, when there's a conference, like I'll read up. Uh, I just feel like before I was so involved in the conversation uh, and. I think a with a team just, you don't want to give away too much. And so you try to pull back a little bit and then just being so busy, like, yeah, before it was like an escape to like go on Twitter and see what everyone's doing and engage in conversation. And now it's like, I go home from work. It's like, I want to do whatever else I'm going to spend time with my fiance. (laughs) I want to like, you know, like go for a run. I want to play hockey or, you know, play basketball, whatever it is. Um, so I think like, yeah, I wish I was more involved and there's, I mean, we did see hack, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, I to, Honest, honestly, I wish I was more involved, but I've been kind of more reserved lately.
1: Well, and that's not to say that you sh- that it, it's probably like you said, is that now it's your full time job. And it's like when things become full time jobs, you just don't You it's not a hobby anymore, right? I mean, it is yeah. still in a way, but uh, well, and you I, still enjoy the work. It's just, you know, I'm sure that maybe you feel this way, Danny, it's like, Oh yeah, I really enjoyed doing this work, and it used to be oh, I just want to go work on this stuff, blah blah blah. And then it's like oh, when, when you're working eight plus hours a day on it every day, it really kind of starts to be like, yep, that's uh, I'm, that's a I'm, job. I'm good to, to leave it at the you know I'll leave it at the office. Kind I want of to go. I know? just <laughs> want to go sit down and play some video games tonight. You know, that yeah, kind yeah, yeah, of yeah. Thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, and we still read it like as work, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Engagement is is not as much. Yeah,
0: yes. so. I I got a good question, I think. So as somebody who spends eight hours a day then going through, not just modeling, but also browsing through your results, right? Like looking through players, you know, going through a whole... Have you ever fallen in love... With a player, let's say in like the SHL or the AHL, that's just like never. The scouts all hate him. He's never <laughs> going to make the NHL. He's like 25. You know, he's <laughs> aging out. He's got no shot. But you just love him. Like you stick by him. Like, do you have that player? Uh, I think like you don't have to name the player. Yeah, yeah. What's their, their name? Yeah, their name? <laughs> yeah,
2: what team? Is it? What's their? What's their? Yeah, kind of right. Like there are guys who pop up, but I think also like with improvements to the models. And like understanding where the scouts are coming from and understanding where the weaknesses are i'm like oh yeah no that guy's not going to make it so at the time i was like oh yeah no like we keep bringing this guy up we keep bringing this guy up and then we make a model change and we're like oh or we understand something new about the model we're like oh yeah no okay i see what the scouts are saying you know what i'm saying so like yeah there's a couple guys i still you know i have i have my guys there you go i yeah. think a lot of the ones that you like really really like really stick to um you hope are actually good and like pop and i think like for the most part like i've got i've got a couple of guys i would love to acquire for the kraken that like you know i think um are right on the cusp of popping that like you know there has to be uh two of you who agree to it whether it's the team trading them to you or you signing them as a free agent or whatever it is so even if you like there's a couple of guys that we've had internal buy-in from the organization side that we're all in on and yeah you can't you can't make it happen or um for whatever reason so yeah no i definitely have my guys but i think for the most part like there are guys who you think would like who used to show up really good, who now show up less good, or you just understand their game differently because you're listening to the scouts and you understand the weaknesses of your model.
1: Well, and, and the other thing, too, is that you are in an actual... You know, you're know you not just like Luke and I who can just have our guys and then we're like, that guy is great, that guy is great, that guy is great. No consequence. Yeah, no, no consequences. Yeah. Right? Rem Pitlick. Rem yeah. no, one, no one ever calls us out for being wrong. <laughs> We've yeah, never exactly. been wrong. I've never been I've wrong never in been wrong. my life about yeah. hockey. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just think it's something that I... It's easy for me to for, forget uh, that in an actual team situation if you're like this is my guy and you know like there and then he's not your guy uh, you know like <laughs> if then after a while he's not right like that i think would be that's where your classical statistical you know background comes in is like i think adding some uncertainty that to that strength of opinion right is something that in an actual real world situation where you're actually you might have some impact on how a team will perform in the future that is multi-million dollar corporation right like that's a real thing where luke and i are just like two guys who'd like to make some models or or just to like piggyback (laughs) on that i think that sometimes we see this i mean specifically because it's on twitter and social media is that like there are people who get super hardcore into like oh why would you trade for this person or why couldn't why didn't you trade them or why didn't you sign them and they get i think that it's it's interesting to kind of hear that from a behind the scenes standpoint that it's yeah it's not just about one individual or one department like you have to make there's a lot of moving pieces that all have to work together and so it's it's kind of funny when uh just hearing that and and seeing some fan reactions to certain things and then it's like look I mean you you really don't have any idea what is what could or couldn't have happened and what the reason is so yeah yeah
2: (laughs) there's off there's often reasons why you know and there's sometimes i look on twitter i'm like Well, that's like everyone who is calling for us to do that thing are is correct but they don't understand this other you know off ice thing or whatever that we've got purview into or yeah um what the actual contract demands were and why they took a discount somewhere else like there's all there's you know um there's always something but i also just think like we i just have such immense respect for our scouts and our management team like i just really love the way that they re- watch the game and what they write up about it right like you can read their actual thoughts and understand their reasoning. And then you can look at your data and say, okay, why does it line up or why doesn't it line up? And so um, sometimes there's like a guy that we get asked about. And my answer will just be like, well, we're not going to fight for him, but we see nothing to say no. Like if somebody else loves them, like go for it. Like we see some signs or, um, but we don't have enough to be our guy. And then there's some guys that we get asked about. And it's like, that's our guy, let's go. Um, (laughs) And then I also think just like my personality naturally is very much, like a collaborator want to want to bring people in, want to make everyone feel heard and so then when we get pushed back on one of our guys like i really have to turn it on and i've been kind of proud of the way i've been able to work on that and do that but um yeah there's times where you've got to like let them know your opinion and you know still not be upset if it's not listened to but you know know that you're in an environment where you're respected and you can you know go go to bat for a guy and then hopefully we'll all you know have a conversation to make the best decision hopefully you know their agent says yes and hopefully they say yes to living in your city or uh somebody wants to trade with you so um yeah you there's been a couple of times where we've all got an agreement and you get so excited and then it just like
1: doesn't, <laughs> doesn't yeah it doesn't work so it doesn't yeah. pan out um speaking of uh your city right you see you were not originally from seattle correct
2: no i'm uh, originally from vancouver bc
1: okay so how is i guess well I thought you were from somewhere else. So it's they're basically the same city, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I went to New York for like for for that. Okay, that's uh, what I was internship. thinking of, yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh I like was like, okay, I'm I can go for a visit, I'll go to a Broadway show, go to some restaurants. I cannot live there. I'm a West Coast, West Coast guy at heart. I'm like relaxed and chill and like you know, I yeah, East Coast. And me were not a great match. I so had fun. But it,
1: so yeah. Seattle was a good city for you then.
2: Seattle was a great city for me. I really loved it. Yeah, really that's, love
1: it. that's great. Because we Luke and I had only been there for SeaHack. I mean, that was the only time. And when you go, you know, the, when you as you know, when you go to these conferences, there's not a lot of time to spend um, in the actual city proper, especially in a, a place like Seattle where it's raining all the time. And Luke and I had holes in our shoes uh, when we were in Seattle, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which we have said many times because that's our that's our it's not the only memory we have some from Seattle but no, we had no. to wait to catch we had a our great flight. time in Seattle it was it pizza. was a fantastic Pizza was great yeah yeah it, yeah? it hold on. what pizza which pizza did we have like out of the lunch oh yeah Seattle. yeah 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 no we were talking about uh, we we've mentioned this the Mecca cafe is what I we looked up which yeah. is very close and it was a yeah kind of a dive diner and I had the largest portions of breakfast food I've ever eaten <laughs> anyway not not to to kind of keep talking about this but um yeah, so I, I guess that we could maybe like I'm not exactly sure how much time we have here, bro. We're getting close yeah. to the probably. Yeah, because I think you know. we two minutes so go You got, a, you got another yeah. question or well, two? Because I on your I, mind. I realized that I've just been making statements at Danny <laughs> and not actually asking any questions, and I've been trying to formulate questions. So I'm gonna go. We we came up with a, a outline with a syllabus. Sean <laughs> did some great work on that. So I think segueing from Seattle into Seahack, we had we had on the on the agenda to talk about kind of the the panelists and the panels and the presentations at the seattle Hockey Analytics Conference, and I just first of all would like to say that the panels I enjoyed all of them. I thought all the panels were super enjoyable. Coming down from like the data science and like that more data sciencey and like coding type teams. Luke to, says he's he, he has only been making statements, and he starts off his yes, question with, "But a anyway, of I was I was." <laughs> so I'm just saying this. Sorry, it's very long winded way to get to my question, which is kind of how did how does it go about like organizing the panels? Like, is it a collaborative effort? Do you kind of just reach out? to people and say hey do you want to do this like how do you kind of get a good chemistry because i thought the chemistry of all the panels was fantastic and i'm just kind of curious about that
2: yeah so i mean i think the first thing is just like marissa and allison who did all the organizing we helped we yes. gave advice where we could but they did the real okay work. uh they were yeah. amazing allison lucan yes. friend of the pod yes. Friend yes. of the pod um, yeah and uh marissa uh from the kraken um they did an awesome job but yeah we really sat down and we said who Well." on the panels from the teams, who's available um, and, you know, who would have interesting things to say, and we kind of, you know, put those together, and then I think Allison did a really good job of uh, getting the hosts of the panel to you know, get quest- good questions to us and to review the questions, and Namita did a great job moderating and uh, my panel specifically, but uh, yeah, I think chemistry-wise, I think like there's just people that you meet, you know, like my panel was Aiden and Eric, and me to moderating like that's people that i feel very comfortable around from the community and so i think uh between all the hard work to get the questions right and just the personalities uh meshing you get good chemistry but i really loved like we got john barr to present who's from seattle Mm -hmm. was a big part of like the nhl to seattle movement it was very cool to get him to speak we had guys like chase mccallum who like i read their read his stuff online i think he does really cool stuff and it's kind of next wave of you know twitter work and i'm sure he'll be hired soon by somebody and then you know you get a guy like sean ferris he's just, like working his way up and, you know no one's really heard of him before hey, i
0: majored i have a master's in money he is a money major yeah i down uh,
2: but like you know i love his presentation I'm, I'm biased too my my friend dom presented and he's someone who i think really high of dan morris like there's just like guys who uh either had seattle ties or just you know who i've seen been working really hard and putting in work and uh had really good presentations so um yeah, I'm looking at the list still, and there's more names I could read <laughs> yeah. off. But then we'd be here all day reading names. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes.
1: Did yeah. you? I, I guess maybe, and maybe final question. Just a, maybe a little uh, foreshadowing. Is there any plans for another Sea Hack? Is that already been announced, or is that in is uh, that in the works yet?
2: We've been talking, but I think not this year. Okay. Um, yeah. But we definitely want to do it again. I just I don't have dates.
0: Yes.
1: Well, well, we look forward to it. We, we will definitely put that on our calendar when it comes up. Yeah, we'll
0: definitely get some top pot for that as well. And we might
1: we <laughs> might try to prepare more than just a lightning talk because we yeah. had to speak extremely Allison, quickly. In Allison bullied us. We into, were into, told. Into even talking. Yeah,
0: all three of us here are told <laughs> what to do. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the magic of Allison. Like, I know. Behind the scenes. Yes. It is. It really is. If oh, yeah. People, if yeah people, I still I mean, have her. You could see she gave everybody, like, a note and a puck after. Yes. And you could see that. that's... You have it hanging. I can enough. see that. Yeah. I, <laughs> we I, gave, I remember when we got from you guys that you guys just went to do a lightning talk,
2: and I was like, come on. Like, this is evolving <laughs> hockey. Like, we need a 20 minutes. Well, then
0: then she gave me my topic, which I responded, like, a week late, and, um, and then I was like, oh, actually, I could probably do, like, 15 minutes on this, and it was too late at that point, but... Yeah, we, uh, we. Next time, I'll give a full yeah,
1: time. I, I think that the next time there is a sea hack or Allison is involved, um, I we will definitely be doing uh, a longer presentation i think it was at the time was it was just a quick a little turnaround at the start of the season we just had some stuff in 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 the way of it um as it but goes when but, we got there and actually did all the work to present it was like oh god damn it why didn't well, we we could have done this for 20 oh, minutes yeah. you I, know I, and after i was, did it i was like this could have easily been longer and i don't and know why that's I was one idea of, down you know. maybe maybe we'll just follow up on that in a, yeah. in a t- we, but anyway 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 anyway, anyway we yes, had like just, five groups anyway.
2: like that and there was like the group from sfu who group who uh won the uh uh, what was the, What's it called? The one that Megan puts on the hackathon. Oh, with the uh, one yeah, about. yeah,
1: yeah. What was that called? I'm blanking Athletes, The yeah. Big Data Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big yeah, Data big, Cup. Yeah, Big Data it. Cup. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so many
2: Big Data things now. Big Data Cup. So it was two winning team or two finalist teams that collaborated. So yeah. they both had, like, already done 30-minute presentations on it. <laughs> and they combined into, like, a five-minute. That's what they offered. I think we pushed them to get to 10. Yeah. So, like, that's two 30-minute presentations. And you've combined the projects, like you yeah. should. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So it's just hard. People be not... modest. you believe yeah. in yourself.
0: You introduced yeah. that panel as well, or that group.
2: I believe I
0: introduced. Yeah, you did. Yeah, right? I think I it was yeah. you. Probably. Yeah, yeah but shout out to you for getting everybody going. And
1: as and well. one thing I will say is as someone who's presented at several conferences over the years, um, is that you think that you can't talk that long, and then you get up and you realize. Oh you can you can definitely and it's a lot of like you have to, it's it's fun to explain it to people and once you're up there I know for a lot of people it's a very um it's a very stressful anxiety inducing um you know, uh, uh, event to go and speak at a conference or whatever, especially if you've never done it before. Especially like the, if you're in the 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 concourse of an NHL arena, speaking yes. to 300 people. <laughs> you know, it is. I, I yes, honestly, I mean, but, this is for anything. I get, I get nervous doing this. stuff yeah, But once you get but, going, yeah. but I will say yeah. that it is the community is so accepting, and everyone is there to listen, and everyone is there to kind of learn and. Trust me, you have, if you're thinking about doing a conference, you, I'm talking to you listening right now, uh, you have something to say if you want. So I would consider at any time there's a conference, if you have an idea... Or know, if you're looking it, right? to get into this, like yeah, I think it's it's a, a great, great way, m- motivator yeah. to kind of get going on a project that you might have always been curious about, and now you'll give you some motivation and, and to meet people, yeah, like, p- meet team people, meet media people, like it's a great experience. And meet people, people just been. interested in the same thing that you yeah. are. It's just a it lot is. of fun. Yeah,
2: it's the best. Like I, I'm someone who had a hard time networking. I think when I didn't have something to talk about, right? When you if you go to a networking event. Or you went to a conference and I didn't have anything that I was presenting about, even if it was just a poster, five minute conversation, five minute presentation, whatever it was. But the minute that I had something that I presented, now I have an easy topic conversation with whoever it was. And so that's actually how the first time I met Alex was at a poster presentation. Like she came by and asked me about, she's a rower and luckily I'd done a rowing presentation. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she came and asked me and then at the end of the conversation she handed me her Minnesota wild card and I just had you know this converse like a 30 minute conversation uh with a team employee and like if you you know it just makes it easy um yeah. so this yeah to anyone listening uh we don't know when the next c hack will be but if you want to start working on the project now you've got a great inspiration from uh evolving hockey for what your idea might be or what you want to work on and then this are us encouraging you to present and you know, present for five, present for 10, present for 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: we're just getting all these shout outs on this podcast. I Thank this you, is, Danny. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. We would, uh, yeah, we, uh, we you know, Danny, Danny's part of one of the best, uh, best crews in the NHL when it comes to the data and stats side as well. So we, we got to shout that out too. We can yeah. not say that. We can't, we can't pick favorites. Can't pick, I'm pick favorites. I'm sorry. Sorry, Danny. But, but you know. yeah, there's a, there's, <laughs>
0: you guys are up there. You guys are up there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: all right. Well, Jenny,
0: I think we're we're kind of coming to the end here, but Luke has been spitting statements out at you, and, yeah. me and Josh have been <laughs> just asking random questions. You. I, I apologize. So is there anything again. that that you that you want to tell our very loyal uh <laughs> listeners that you know maybe we just didn't get to here, or are you all good?
2: I think I think maybe that last statement was the one of just like do public work. If you're interested in just reading, just read. But if you're interested in trying to get into this, I every time I go on a public platform, I just want to like kind of give people the you know the voice to say, hey, like you can do this. Just start small. There's resources out there, and the community is so welcoming that um, you'll always get feedback, and you can always get better, and you'll have opportunities to you know present and you know kind of grow from there. Yeah, totally. Oh, we awesome. didn't even
1: get to talk about R versus Python. Okay. <laughs> anyway that's enough that's enough we're gonna yeah we got that's enough luke you gotta calm down
0: here (laughs) all right well thank you so much thank you so much daddy for coming on and uh wasting uh, 45 minutes with us and uh we're so glad that you came on we hope you will come on again if we didn't bother you too much and uh wishing you the best summer and a happy 2023 2024 season ahead of us
2: thank you well thanks for having me on this is great i love talking to you guys oh yeah bring the best energy so (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. well thank thank you you. and thank Thank you so
1: much for agreeing uh, to come on and we had a great time yeah we did take care danny thanks you too